0: Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends. Trisha Goyer here. I love books. I love fiction. I love talking about C.S. Lewis and fantasy and allegory and all the things. So we are gonna have a great conversation today. Um, my guest is Sarah Author. She has a great new book called Once a Queen. I am I am so excited about this topic. So, first of all, Sarah, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm just delighted. I feel like, you know, I when I um, made the turn toward publishing fiction, I found my people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what it feels like, um, but fiction is really my first love. So, um, I... I have been, I'm just one of those nerdy English majors who somehow ended up in youth ministry because I really just love talking Mm. about books and spiritual themes in stories with teens. It's like that marries all of my love languages together um and have been working in youth ministry both full time and volunteer for a long long time i'm not going to say how long cuz that dates me um <laughs> I'm currently a middle school substitute teacher um i have a 13 and 10 year old of my own um but my very first books 20 years ago oh, <clears throat> 20 years ago <laughs> uh was the very first one was Walking with Frodo, A Devotional Journey Through the Lord of the Rings. And it came out when the books were in, in, you know, had been made into movies and were in theaters. Um, And I had just uh, stepped back from full-time youth ministry because I was Mm. kind of burned out and I needed to get back to some of my creative pursuits um, as a nerdy English major. And um, I just, something about, the timing and the topic and the desire to talk with kids about like, did you know Tolkien was a Christian? He was super, uh, involved in C.S. Lewis's conversion from atheism to Christianity. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I just wanted other people to talk with about that. And it turns out, um, you publish a book like that, uh, when there's a big cultural hook and people get a hold of it, it, it does very well. So, um, I had a kind of, right out of the gate, a bestseller mm. in Christian publishing and went on. That's kind of what I've done ever since. So not just for teens, um, even though I've, you know, written the hot books about the Hobbit and the Lord uh, lying, the witch and the wardrobe. I've also um, written a spiritual biography of Madeline Lengel, who wrote oh, so good. Um, it's called the light. So lovely. And, um, and, and it's just, you know, these are the kinds of conversations I feel, are so rich uh, because um, the in youth ministry and in my own life, I've experienced the role of the imagination and stories in spiritual formation and in the moral formation mm-hmm. of young people. Um, so that's kind of, that's, that's really me in a nutshell. Like how do we nurture the imagination such um, that it, it homes not only what we love, but then how we act in the world. That's so that's good.
0: Okay. So, I am so excited about this novel, and I don't do a lot of fiction, but once I read, like it says, um, you know, just talking about how your love of the Lord of the Rings and the C.S. Lewis Festival and Madeline Lingle writing retreats, I'm like, okay, please, yes, I want to talk to this person um, from the time, our, also, I have 10 children, our oldest is 34, our youngest is 13. Um, we have read through the Chronicles of Narnia series. I don't even know how many times, mm-hmm. and they read that. So my, I have a son and a daughter that both have kids. They read through them with their kids. My daughter was just staying here. She's a missionary in Europe. She was just mm-hmm. staying here, and she was reading through uh, the last battle with her five-year-old. She just she just turned five. This oh. she's been reading since this girl is four. And this is like how much we love, yeah. like we love. Um, 100%. and so the conversations we have. At, Amelia just turned five and we could talk about Aslan and Narnia and the true mm. Narnia and mm. all these things. And when I hear my kids get together and they talk about, Oh, but the goblins can compare it to this and that, like the conversations. And then to see my kids reading to their kids, my son, we just wrote, um, A breath of bones, which were, is releasing in june it's a historical fantasy pardon my unprofessional shrieking (laughs) i know so and as we're doing this as we're writing he's like mom i don't really think we're hitting the spiritual theme in the scene i think and i'm like (gasps) (gasps) so i feel like yeah
1: like my 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 time here is done i've done everything i need to do as a parent and a grandparent like it's done exactly
0: (laughs) i'm like this is my dream or i'll just sit back sometimes So we'll watch movies and they'll they'll talk about theme and spiritual th- and I'm just sitting mm-hmm. here like mm-hmm. my work here is done like
1: it, <laughs> yeah so like job mom just like now you can just like yeah
0: we, so we we're we're all going to love I know we're all going to love this uh, they're going to be so excited cuz we all share mm-hmm. what we're reading what we love but all this to say the f- impact that story has on the creative imagination on our spiritual foundations mm-hmm. on our um, just how we see the world differently, how we could see different themes and aspects and metaphor in the world around us. Mm-hmm. I can imagine when we sat down. Okay, this is uh, this is the 100% truth. We wanted our kids to stay in bed and not come out 10 times a day yes. to ask for a drink of water or to go to the bathroom. Really?
1: You're the only parent I've ever heard <laughs>
0: So, I know. Oh. <laughs> so, John, we started reading and we read Bible stories first. When they got a little older, he's like, I think we need a book. And so we started with... Um, The Lion, the Witch, and the World Drew. And then we got into The Hobbit. I mean, we just went from there. But our initial reading out loud to our kids was just so they would stay in bed. And they would, we, we started reading stories so that they would stay in bed. And God knew. He knew he needed those kids to get out of bed 50 times so that we would get on the right path. But it. It, the impact it. that it has and the fiction has on our family, on our kids, mm-hmm. um has been so amazing. So all that to say, let's talk about you know, you talked about nonfiction, you talked about all the things that you're doing. Now you're writing fiction. Why have you wanted to go there, be there, and mm-hmm. why this story?
1: Yeah, thank you. Yes. Um, Well, fiction is my first love. It's, you know, when I, from the time I was super small, um, my mom has kept like the little books that I assembled with tape and staples. The little, you know, in fact, I should have grabbed one because I I forgot that this was video. It would be fun to have more of that around, but um, needless to say, like I was, I've been doing this since I was little. So, so you would have to like chain me down um, and like, you know throw away the keys for me to not be writing fiction um but the seed for this particular story once a queen um was 20 years ago mm-hmm. um i just had this idea of like what if um the, you know a- anytime I, ha- I see sort of an unresolved thread in a story i kind of want to go there right um and and for me, a lot of fantasy and fairy tales, especially fairy tales, are portal or portal fantasy where yeah. people go someplace and come back. So E Nesbit, if you read a lot of E Nesbit's, um, she does these like fun sort of time travel things. Uh, back in the early 1900s, she even had a short story called "The Aunt and Amabel," um, where Amabel goes through a magic wardrobe and becomes a queen in another world. So like. And, and, and this is like 1908 or something like, right. So in my mind, it's like, okay, so when you come back, like you're a kid for a while, but then you grow up in that world. And how do you, what happens to Amabel? Mm. How does she, like, she's had this adventure. And of course you kind of think maybe she was dreaming, but what happens when you just have to return to your ordinary life and be an ordinary person um, with ordinary tragedies, right? So, mm-hmm. so that was kind of the seed, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun if an American teenager goes to England for the first time and meets her British grandmother for the first time ever um, at the grandmother's manor house? Because of course there has to be a manor house, <laughs> of um, and of course it has to be full of empty rooms or locked rooms or you know with multiple floors and mysteries. Um, and and what if, you know, I'm doing what C.S. Lewis called a supposal. Suppose, mm. um, you know, there's some mystery about why her grandmother is estranged from her parents. Suppose the grandmother's behavior is very, very odd, especially at night um, when she seems to change. She's not so cold and distant. Um, She seems open to talking Mm. about magic, which by day she is not. She's very, very aversive to that. What would happen? You know? Um, And that was the seed of it. And that's where it began. So my character is Eva. And um, this is the story of my heart. I've written, there's all kinds of other stories languishing elsewhere (laughs) that may see the light of day someday. Um, But this is the story of my heart. Um, And it kicks off a series. So now I get to, you know, I'm, I'm working on book two, Once a Castle. um, And it's just like, I I pinched myself because it's what I've been wanting to do for so, so long. Um, And here it is. It's just hard to believe it's here. January 30th. You know,
0: so just a couple of days to wait. So exciting! Okay.
1: Well, after twenty years, I mean, what's a few days, right? Yeah,
0: so. exactly. We we can handle it. We can handle it. But oh, like you said, like every every book needs a manor house. Like all the all the things. Um, oh, my book. You need,
1: to, you, you need to arrive there at night. Um, I don't know. Have you ever read um, the Little White Horse by Elizabeth Googe? No. Oh my gosh! You have to read the Little White Horse. This was a very influential on J.K. Rowling. She loves this book, um, and I'm trying to remember the original pub date. I mean, she was writing in like the 30s, 40s, 50s in England. And
0: those so, are the best. Like literally, those books that release around that time are
1: 1946. Yes. Right. So- I mean, like, who's writing stories in the middle of war? I mean, well, she and Lewis and yeah, Tolkien exactly. You no.
0: Know, and and they, there's yeah, no much so more in that book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love yeah, it. But so, you have
1: to arrive at night. My
0: character doesn't. But. Yeah. And yeah. My book that just released trust the stars released last month. Um, and it's a, it's a Royal book. It's a split time Royal book anyway, but I will just, give it away but there is a secret uh, bookcase passageway and I've literally <gasps> when I figured out oh, I could tie that into my is. book when I figured out I could tie this into my book and it made sense I was like I have a bookcase that turns into a secret passageway in my adult contemporary split time novel but anyway I was like so happy and I I'm run downstairs sure we really I up. like do we no. I mean,
1: maybe not like, no. Yeah. Madeline L'Engle said, I am all the ages I have ever been.
0: Oh, uh, so good. So like, I love of
1: course, it. right? Of course you have a secret bookcase. But
0: of yeah, course. can I show, we these can things. we
1: show our respective editions of Once a Queen? Yes. Just like ample, ma- the magic. Um, there's no secret bookcase. So you have the limited edition. I have purple, the limited edition right?
0: purple edition that it, it was purple, but course. I love the green, like the green. I love no, it.
1: Fun. It just arrived the other day and I like, was shrieking very unprofessional. and the um, goals it, oh, yeah. It, yeah but the manor house right like you I wasn't I didn't really weigh in on the cover much but once um Jim Tierney put the manor house on there I was like we're done it's perfect
0: like, yes
1: <laughs> it's the secret garden it's the it's every story where you arrive to a magical place and then there's mysteries right
0: yeah Okay, so I am so excited about this. I'm so excited that it's gonna be a series that um, we're gonna be continuing on. okay, but, but we know the best books have hard things in them. So I know we're gonna have some hard things. I know that we you talk about, um, you know, this novel can help with grief. We have dear dear mm-hmm. friends that lost their 16 year old son. Um, They Mm -hmm. have three younger daughters. I'm like, I'm going to get this book for them. I'm going to send them a copy. Let's talk about these things, too, because, yes, we're going to have the manor house. Yes, we're going to have the mystery of why is grandmother acting this way. Yes, we're going to have beautiful writing and allegory and all the things. But why we love the books that we love is because it tackles hard subjects in a way that we can think about them, but also they're in the middle of like not getting killed or they're in the middle of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, um, you know, when fledge, when, when strawberry turns into fledge and that rebirth in um, the magician's nephew, right. The Magician's nephew. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like start crying every time. Like there's spiritual themes that we can only see when we, you know, when we look deeper, but I'm mm. so eager to hear about why you were able to tackle some of these things and how you were able to do it in your novel. Mm.
1: So good. So such great, such great stuff. I, so, um, early on as a, as a I rec- I had recently been a teenager when I was hired to work full time with teens at a large church, um, and, and I, early on, I began to experience something that kind of took me by surprise and I should have known better because it was true to my own experience as a teenager. Um, I would, especially with like, I had a girl small group one time that would just met at my house in my living room. And literally the only thing we did was what were the high points for you this week? What mm-hmm. were the low yeah. points and how can we pray for each other? That was it. Um, and it was, it in a way, it was kind of a Montessori method of education where you're you're following the the things that are that they're interested in and talking about, um, and I was pulling, you know, my my knowledge of scripture and my knowledge of faith and and responding in those ways without trying to be prescriptive. Like here's what mm-hmm. we're going to talk about mm-hmm. tonight, right? Um, and so out of there, so often they would say, you know, like my high point was I got accepted to the debate team. Um, my low point is my one friend's not talking to me, but then they would say, once we got a little deeper, you know, once they started to be vulnerable, they would say, but my real low point is that my mom and I had a big fight Hmm. or my real low point is that my parents are arguing again. Um, and so, so the surface level highs and lows, which we often are the presenting issues for the teens that we know, right. Um, those aren't just surface, those are real, but right. they're, the highs and lows are amplified by, by their sort of bewilderment with relationships with adults. Mm-hmm. And so the adults that they love. So like, it, particularly if those adults are not being vulnerable mm-hmm. about their own struggles. And I don't mean like, just like giving kids more emotional baggage than they can bear. I'm talking about like, mom's having a really hard time. You've probably heard, you know, me arguing with grandma on the phone and I can't tell you everything, but it is hard. And you probably can sense that it's hard. A lot of adults are not doing that, especially Mm -hmm. with teens. So my, my protagonist in the story is 14. Um, and when she's younger, of course, her mother tried to kind of shield her mm. from the woundedness that the, the mother was carrying from the mother's own relationship with the grandmother in the past. Right. But that creates a habit of not talking about it at all. And so once Eva's 14 and might be able to bear a little more, the mother isn't still, isn't talking. Right. right? And right. So now there's this like, why are grownups being weird? Um, and I think, you know, kids ask that all the time. <laughs> ask that all the time. Um because Eva is beginning to make the turn towards adulthood and as are most of my teen readers as are sometimes um some of us as we re- recall what it was like to be teens we remember that feeling of like is this what it is then? Like as I become an adult is this is this how we act? Is this what we're doing? Mm. Um and so especially if it's not being modeled at home um how to talk about f- what we're feeling and about the brokenness in relationships? I th- that is where Eva's at, and so for me, um, I really zone. You know, I really locked in on my teens as they were telling me about their real highs and their real lows. The culture around us tells us all the time what teens are supposed to be interested in, right? right? But are we really listening? to mm-hmm. what they're saying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, a lot of young adult fiction is issues-driven, and some issues are important, right? That that there are voices that need to be amplified that have not been amplified for hundreds of years that need to be amplified. Every child, no matter their ethnic and their back their racial background, should see themselves in the pages of books. That's wonderful. A lot of kids are trying to figure out sexuality, right? However, our culture also sometimes really prescribes for them that they're supposed to be thinking about these things instead of really listening and saying, oh, they also care about family relationships.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: They also care about the generational wounds that they are now having to deal with. Um, And so I went there in Once a Queen. I didn't shy away from it. Um, Because that's the real experience on the ground Mm -hmm. of real teenagers that we know and love.
0: That's so good. And I think people, parents, aunts, grandma, I mean, we don't think that kids are listening. We don't Mm -hmm. think that kids care. Um, Mm -hmm. I've interviewed World War II veterans that are sitting there with family members and they tell me stories because I'm an author and I'm writing yeah. You know, historical yeah. fiction and they'll and their kids are like how come you never told this this before but they don't yeah. think they care um yeah. they don't think they want to yeah. hear it and then and maybe for a time they didn't um one yeah. of the best yeah. things was when I had young kids so my oldest was probably 10 I started leading a teen mom support group
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
0: um those teen <laughs> girls did not seem like they were listening to me at all I mean working with you oh, yeah. if you know they're yeah. they didn't and we this, um, this is really aging me. This was in t- 2001. Uh, this is a while ago, so it wasn't like everyone had a cell phone that were there on all the time. It was just, but they were talking to each other. They mm-hmm. were like, they did have phone, like, but they. It did seem like they are not paying attention to me at all as I'm leading them and talking about God and talking about parenting. And I'm like, these people mm-hmm. are tuning me out. Yeah. Until months later, I hear them repeating what I had said. Oh yes. I oh, hear 100%. them. Doing the things that I told them, this would help you in your parenting. All of a sudden, they're doing the things I say. And I'm like, oh, wait, they were listening. So Mm -hmm. this has helped me as a mom, as my kids have gotten older. I'm like, I'm just going to keep talking because I know they act like they're not listening. And I'll even, I speak at homeschool conferences, other homeschool parents. I'm like, do those devotions. Your kids might have their head down on the table or read scripture to them or pray over them. Like They may be like they're looking away. They're, they're heads down. They don't seem like they're paying attention. Yeah. When we adopted kids, um, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we, ad- we adopted preteens and teenagers. And they're like, mm-hmm. why do we have to sit yeah. here and listen? I'm like, you put your head down. You don't have to listen yeah. to me, but I'm going to read. Can we're going to read through the Psalms. You yeah. could do it. Yes. Yeah. You, could, you yeah. can put your Legos together. You could, uh, but you were going to sit yeah. here. And, yes. and sure enough, they're like, remember when you said and that was nice. the best lesson that I learned that even though they seem in, disinterested, that they seem like they don't care what we're saying, that they yeah. are listening and they do care. And now yeah. that they're adults, we'll have the conversations that we had when they were younger and we, mm-hmm. we just talk, just talk. Um, don't just talk at them, you know, mm-hmm. if they're willing to engage, mm-hmm. engage with them. But those conversations really do matter they do impact them they are Mm -hmm. listening even though it seems like they're not listening and i'm so excited that you are going there and that you're talking about the generational stuff um Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. with the characters through the story um oh Mm -hmm. so excited okay so give us a premise of we've, we've been talking all around it so give us the pitch of what the book yeah. is about yes. actually Absolutely. as we've been talking about all yeah. these things.
1: Yeah, no worries. Um so once a queen is um the basic premise is an American teenage girl goes to visit her British grandmother for the first time um and like I said there's a mystery as to why the estrangement between um the mother and the grandmother Um, So the mother is a single, an only child. And so is Eva, my main character. And so you would think there'd be connection relationships, but there hasn't been. Um, And while Eva is there, she meets um, the staff of the manor house much in the same way um, that the main character of the secret garden, Mm. you know, the gardener and the housekeeper and, um, and in at Carrick Hall, um, my invented village, Upper Wolvern, in the West Midlands of England. Um, there are people who, uh, even though Eva thinks she's too old for fairy tales, there are people in this uh, manor house that work there who seem to talk as if fairy tales were true, right? Like mm-hmm. the stuff, the stories that she grew up reading that she loved so much might have actually happened. And And this is just She's just absolutely baffled by this, but also like, ooh, like intrigued, right? Um, Not quite ready to go there, but she wants to because she secretly wishes and longs for the possibility of other worlds that you could maybe have adventures in other worlds. But eventually she also begins to realize that these people seem to think that her grandmother was once involved um, Mm -hmm. in the fairy tales that Eva loved so much but the grandmother will not talk about it. So, so that's, that's the premise.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Uh, And along the way um, the layers of the family relationships and you begin to understand more and more about the grandmother's past. Um, And then interspersed in the chapters are the, the fairy tales themselves. So I've, you know, I've written my own sort of fairy tale collection that is told throughout it so that, you know, you start here, sorry, with the fairy tale and here with the main story. And then by the end, you're like, Oh,
0: oh my goodness, um, it's
1: come together. And that was super fun. Um, and it has made the story kind of stand on its own feet without having to rely on like, the aunt and Amabel by E. Nesbitt as the foundation or any other fairy tales where people, you know, do this back and forth through magical realism or portal fantasy. So
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like everything and, is just like
1: and yes. I got to read um part of the audiobook. I got to oh. read those interstitials um in my best British accent.
0: Okay. I want to hear it now. I want to hear your <gasps> best British accent. Oh,
1: okay. Well we could I mean I could even yeah.
0: Yeah, read read part of something okay. in your best okay. British accent.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So um and the director of the audiobook, um, my coach was um her husband's British. So she was able to correct me on a lot of things, which is great. (laughs) Um, But here, so so you can see, so these interstitials are these; they're very different. You can tell the end of the regular chapter. Then we, then we hear. um, Oh, let's see. Um, Actually, I want to do one that's a little further along. Before Prince Wefin set off for new lands. His mother, Queen Turnivia of Mesthera, gave him the crown that had once belonged to the first queen. The crown had been passed down from generation to generation by the sovereigns of Mesthera, for its chief virtue was to protect the wearer, the land, and the peoples from their enemies. Over time, the crown had cooled, and its gems had lost some of their gleam, but ever afterward the circlet had retained some of its original power. Oh, oh, my goodness. Indeed, it was said that if you were very, very quiet, you could hear the gems faintly singing. <laughs> so good. Oh, my
0: gosh. This is, <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. Uh, I was like, if I,
1: if nothing else happens with this story, I had fun.
0: <laughs> I, I So I love audiobooks. Because, you know, I'm homeschooling, I'm caring for my grandma, I'm doing all the things, I listen to Mm -hmm. audiobooks, so I'm, like, pre-ordered and waiting for this to release, I'm so excited, I mean, I do have this in my hand, but I cannot wait to listen to it, it's gonna be so good, okay.
1: Well, and um, Shakira Shoot, who is reading the rest of it, um, she's amazing, there's so many characters from the West Midlands that she has to, I mean, of all different ages that she has to do, and she's awesome, I'm so excited. I'm just
0: so I'm excited. just amazed how people can do that, like with the unique voices. So we understand like we can still oh. follow along and know oh. who's talking and.
1: Oh, 100 percent. And the the amount of time. Um, I mean, I only read those interstitials between mm-hmm. the chapters and I was in the studio for six hours. Oh, wow. And it was like, I need more tea. <laughs> yeah.
0: <coughs> but how fun that you got to do that. Amazing. I've I not Amazing. worked on any of my audiobooks. Yeah,
1: dream come true.
0: I love it. Okay, All right. we're yep. gonna have to wrap up in a minute, but we could talk all day. But mm, my last day. question is, especially in fiction, all people say that our first novel—well, and this isn't probably the first novel that you've worked on or written—but so, is yes. autobiographical. So, mm. in what ways mm. is this autobiographical, or at least in part? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, um, the in the back of the book. Um, the there's an author kind of Q&A. And mm-hmm. I, I really, I, I felt it was important to give some insights there. Um, when I was 14, my maternal grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm.
0: And she lived
1: with us for a little while before she died. Um, and, and she was one who, um, she was always very gracious when I would do my, my kid thing and talk about Jesus and the Bible. Um, but over time I began to realize she's, she doesn't go to church, you know, like I, and my dad's a pastor. So I was like, this is so interesting and weird, but she was so loving and wonderful that I was really confused, right? Like you would, it was just, um, mm. really interesting. And my, my, my mom would talk about how, um, you know, there was a lot of trauma in my grandmother's background. Um, She lost her father in the flu epidemic of 1918. Okay. Um, She was the second oldest of five. Her mother remarried immediately, had four more children, got divorced from that guy um, for reasons that probably contributed to my own grandmother's trauma. And then, um, you know, remarried and like, like, live to 102 and all of that, but my grandmother always seemed like a kind of cold and distant and broken Mm -hmm. person in talking about any kind of family stuff or, um, faith. So, um, my, my, by the end, like you want her story to end up nice and tidy, you know, of course she, you know, made a turn at the end and, and everything's happy, but I, I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and how as a teenager, I watched my mother navigate that, I mean, they had a warm and loving relationship, nothing like yeah my story. Um, but but the effects of that on me and the how, how do we love? and stick by, um, people who are that wounded, so wounded that faith has become impossible for them. Mm -hmm. Truly like imagine a good and loving and just God. That was, that is the question animating everything, every page. Um, so that was, yeah, that's the autobiographical piece. Thank you for asking.
0: Yeah. And I think it's so important I'm, I do the daily Bible podcast also and we're going through the book of Job.
1: Which mm. I'm like, why
0: Job? But then love. when you understand that it's poetry love. and allegory and metaphor and amplification and then now I'm now I love it, but at first time I'm like, oh, mm. this is so depressing. Mm. Um but so many I of the things that you're Job. talking about, yeah, are in there. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the thing is that we're all going to suffer and we all have questions mm-hmm. and we're all going to be mad at God and God's big enough to handle it and he's gonna like say mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna say look at my servant job mm-hmm. i mean god mm-hmm. god's the one that saw him as righteous and and still loved him all the way through and did put him in this place as we could near the end but the mm-hmm. conversation's okay it's yes. okay to have these yeah. conversations about the hard thing it's okay to say i'm really hurt right now it's okay to say this was a hard life and i'm so sorry yeah. that you had to go through that and
1: yeah, it's okay
0: yeah. to be okay in tragedy and be not okay in tragedy too at the it same time.
1: Absolutely. I'm a breast cancer survivor. In fact, um, I finished the novel um, the same month as my diagnosis and my surgeries, gave it wow. to my husband, had it printed in spiral bound and gave it to my husband for our anniversary that same month, like still with gauze on my chest. And I was like, here it is. Um, because the, you know, I, I needed that to be done, right? Mm -hmm. Like I just, um, and things are good now, as far as we know, I'm cancer free, but those are some of my sons, very young sons at the time, earliest memories. Um, and how do we as families have those conversations and walk alongside people who are suffering? How like Job's friends, those first seven days, at least, I know. Do they sit in, do we sit in silence mm-hmm. and allow it to be whatever it needs to be and recognize that God is there too? Um, and that's 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 the story.
0: Oh yeah. my goodness! Okay, so I'm so excited. Once a queen, Sarah Arthur, uh, go, tell us about Arthur, Sarah Arthur. Sarah Arthur, the author. Arthur the
1: author,
0: author the Arthur. I was introduced <laughs> on a radio
1: station that way once. It's Sarah Arthur, the (laughs) author.
0: Oh, I love it. Okay, tell us about, though, because it's releasing, but there's some things happening before then that's exciting. So tell us about that. Okay,
1: really quickly, um, so we don't run out of time. First, my publisher is doing these fabulous pre-order perks. Um, If you order it from any retailer, you can go, if you go to saraharthur.com from there, um, click on the Once a Queen in the menu. It sends you to Penguin Random House, Waterbrook's, the imprint of Penguin Random House that sends you to their page and you can enter your retail like info of like buying the book and you can do the first three chapters for download. But also um, this is a journal we created that you can print and it has creativity prompts in it. And some of my original sketches Um, That helped me like brainstorm the story. Um, So that, and then we blinged it out. My teen launch team and I like decorated the cover and had a lot of fun. Um, But on launch date itself, January 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Again, if you go to saraharthur.com under events, you can join the virtual launch party from the English Inn uh, in Eaton Rapids that has a big painting of a stag at the top that the landing of the staircase the White Stag, uh, that's in my story and others. Um, and you get a, an exclusive download of the book plate for that event specifically. Oh, so fun. So, would love to have everyone there. I'll be doing book giveaways, maybe a British accent contest with my teens. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, going to be fun. 7 p.m., January 30th. It's a Tuesday night, Eastern.
0: And we'll make sure and put all that in the show notes and of Yay. course link to all the places where people can connect with you. But Sarah, this has been delightful I'm so thankful that we've had this time so together. Lovely. So lovely.
1: Let's do it again.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com and I can't wait until we connect again.